1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, the Nets' winning streak is over. They fall to the Mavs, 113-111. An old friend, Spencer Dinwiddie, gets some revenge. How are we feeling, Jack?
2: Of course it was that crypto bloke who (laughs) raised like 20 bucks when he did a GoFundMe. Of course it was him.
1: (laughs) And he really, like, he wasn't doing much in the first half. Second half, he picked it up. And as soon as you kind of saw who was taking that shot, you felt like it was going to go down, just given his history with the Nets. But before we uh get into it quick reminder you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms jack where do you want to start
2: i guess we go with the final half nick because there was many runs here and there many spurts here and there you know quarters where the look at the nets only scored 20 points in that final quarter and you're not really going to win many games scoring 20 points in a quarter yes they had you know a combined over 90 points you know 91 points in the in the first three but They were outscored 34 to 20 in the fourth. That's where it was lost.
1: Yeah, and it really started in the
2: beginning of the fourth.
1: You know, I think the Mavs started with a 9-0 or 7-0 run, and the Nets really couldn't get things going. They had trouble containing Jalen Brunson, and defensively they were having some issues out there, and the Mavs got going. And then offensively, you know, credit the Mavs, I guess, for uh, sending so much attention to Kevin Durant. It kind of took him out of rhythm, I think, in that fourth quarter a little bit, but also still giving him a a different look, you know, kind of – anticipating a double team coming or anticipating help at different points or then when he took a step in the paint felt like there was three or four Mavs kind of sitting there waiting for him and there wasn't really anybody able to kind of step up in that fourth quarter and take off some of that load we got a couple buckets from Goran a couple buckets from Klax I think a three from Patty but still just not enough offensively this is where you really miss you know a Seth Curry a Kyrie Irving in that fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, definitely. The offense certainly stagnated at moments, but you know Kevin Durant did all he could do. You know, 23 yep. points, 10 assists, six boards. You know, including two offensive boards, two or five from three. Hit all five of his three throws. You know, probably should have had you know closer to seven or eight, if not more. It was just. closer
1: to 10 to be honest i mean you look at the the first three that he didn't get in the first quarter when he was clearly slapped on the wrist on the shot and then the physicality of the entire game it was just a little bit frustrating especially considering some of the calls the maps were getting in the fourth quarter
2: did you think that the nets had the game one with that kd3 i mean it, it didn't matter how many defenders on him it would have been kobe style he could have had all four on him he was determined to hit that shot and in all honesty, I was just like Katie's done it again. Slim Reaper, straight killer. But yeah, yeah,
1: I felt really good about it. Uh, I thought it was interesting. The Mavs elected to take the ball from you know full court rather than take it you know on the the Nets half court, and you know it paid off for them. And the Nets, you know, they took a risk. They blitz blitz Luca. Luca made the right pass, and Spencer hit a contested three. You know, it wasn't like Spencer doing what he hit a wide open three, and there wasn't anybody there. Goran got a decent contest on there. It was just a good shot and a good pass. I think. If you ask KD, if he was reliving that moment, he probably doesn't blitz Luka in that situation. He allows Clax to kind of have that one-on-one because I think Clax really did a great job on Luca the entire game.
2: Yeah, Clax had him even clamps, absolute yep. clamps. And you know, there were moments where you know Dragic and and, and Luca were were drawing back and forth, which is which is a bit of fun. I like that sort of banter. Yep. You know, we've got KD on our team who loves to throw the banter his way, um, anyone's way, mind you, for that matter. But yeah, it's just frustrating because look. It, Ultimately, you put the ball out of the worse, out of the better player's hands, and you give it to yep. Spencer Dimity, who was, who is generally an inconsistent three-point shooter. Yep. But in general, we know that, the, I, I, like you, we were chatting off wax. It's just like as soon as he took it, I'm like, this is going in, and it was a good contested shot. It wasn't an easy yep. shot, you know. It was a a Paul George bad shot, quote unquote. But no, in all honesty, it's a. I don't. There's a lot of people apparently on the timeline now that are like happy for Spencer Dimity, I don't care. I'm not happy. I'm very frustrated and and very angry that the Nets could have been on a five-game winning streak. And Kevin Durant hits an absolute massive dagger like he's done so many times throughout his career. And, you know, sometimes good shots, you know, win your games.
1: Yeah. And that's really that, you know, like you said, it was like they had good shots. The Nets didn't lose this game in the last 30 seconds. They lost this game. In the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, that's where they really collapsed. If they play those first three minutes better, they I don't want to say easily win this game, but they're probably walking away with a W.
2: No, definitely. They're, and then the, the Dallas Mavericks are in a fight out West as well for, for playoff seeding, also. So they're really motivated or whatever. I, I just I think the Nets, you know, they played a decent game of basketball tonight. I just think that, like you alluded to, Nick, not enough. know offense and I think that at times Steve Nash some of his rotations not getting clacks out there quick enough not having Dragic out there for a couple of extra minutes here or there yeah Drummond gave us you know some good minutes and a really nice first quarter spurt but I think that's the variation of Drummond that we know you know he's going to be a bit bipolar and he's going to give you the good and the bad and in that first quarter you know eight points and eight rebounds in the span of like six seven minutes but then finishes the game minus eleven despite the fact that he had a you know a near 15 and 15 game, had 17 boards, eight of them offensive. it did have a block and had 14 points, but he was minus 11 and was the worst player in that department apart from our good friend, James Johnson. So I just think that Steve Nash could have done. And I think that he deserves a lot of credit. I know that you have and, and Justin have given him a lot of credit for how he's been doing lately. I think ever since he use the the old cs word a lot of people have been jumping on the old canadian bad way we're gonna st- get that
1: again tonight the way he was talking to the refs early in this game
2: yeah i mean he was just like and he made a he made a very salient point about that kevin rand foul early in the game where it's just like k is gonna airball yeah you're really sure that kevin rand's gonna airball a jump shot and it's just like if you see kevin rand airball a jump shot it's gonna be because he got freaking fouled um yep. scott foster whoever the hell it was out there It was just, and I think that the Nets got the uh, a couple of whistles that went their way overall. Uh, But another big
1: call that they missed was that Luca travel in the fourth quarter, and that was pretty obvious. He moved his pivot foot, and you know he like he like hopped two times.
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's, it's about the timing of the calls and stuff. And the Nets had a bit of momentum early in the game, and then obviously in the fourth quarter when they try to arrest the momentum and and bring it back to their to their sway. But I think that there's ultimately, this is just one that could have... If you toss the coin five times out of ten or ten times out of ten, this goes different way each time. You know, it, it's pretty simple. It's just one of those games where it's just like, look, Luca's awesome, and there's a few shots that go their way, a few tough shots go our way. Ultimately, it's unlucky, and hopefully this doesn't hurt the Nets too much because they've, they're really battling, and, you know, the Cavs and the Raptors, and, and given what's happening with them, I think the Cavs might have beaten the Sixers tonight. They lost. They lost. They lost. Okay, so that... You know, advantages the Nets a little bit as well, even though it means James Harden gets to experience a win. You know, you take the good with the bad, Nick, but yeah. ultimately tonight, it's probably more bad than good overall.
1: Yeah, and I think Jack, getting back to a point you alluded to in the coaching in this game, I felt like the coaching in the second half was probably okay. It was more so that first half, and when they were just consistently getting switches onto Drummond, Luca was getting the switch he wanted, and he had you know what twenty something points in that first half, and it was just way too easy for in you know an MVP level player in Luca. Like you can't give him that switch on Andre Drummond if you're going to have Drummond out there. You either need to stay and drop. Blitz him, or find some other creative type of way to attack Luca and prevent him from just having easy bucket after easy bucket. And that's what it felt like in that you know first half. And it was really night and day in the comparison of Klaxon on the court and Drummond on the court because of the ability to switch. And I think that was something that. Was quite obvious, and maybe Steve Nash could have leaned into a little bit more. Clax did play 26 minutes, but maybe this is a game where you lean on Clax for a 32-minute game and allow him to really excel. Obviously, like you mentioned, Drummond had success on the boards, but I want to say majority of those offensive boards came in that first quarter, and he really didn't have much of a of impact in terms of production throughout the rest of the game. It was a lot of first quarter stuff, and then after that, I think Clax was clearly the better player.
2: Yeah, you play Claxton an extra two, three, four minutes. That's an extra few possessions that makes Luka Doncic incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, I, I think that he thinks that he's got Claxton. I think a lot of players still think that about Nicholas Claxton. But Claxton relishes, you know, he's guarded Luka Doncic really well across his own career the past couple of seasons he's been tremendous in that department you know he's much more athletic much quicker and whenever Luka wants to drive Klax is going to force him to kick the ball out or make a really tough shot tough shot over him and a lot of the shots in the post that Luka wants to get are over smaller guys like a Goran yep. Dragic and he hits a couple of those or, or even Bruce over Brown. Bruce Brown yeah yeah it's, it's so easier to, he's to do not- over Bruce He's not going to hit it over a guy that's 6 foot 10 compared to a 6 foot 3, 6 foot 2, 6 foot 4 bloke. So it's it's frustrating because there are those little wrinkles here and there. But at the end of the day, uh, you just got to take the L and, and move on to the next one. But Clax was tremendous tonight, I thought, Nick.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the type of thing that you want to see from Nick Claxton. This is why he's still on the roster. And and this is why he could play a huge role in the postseason because his ability to allow the Nets to play defensively a completely different way. You know, the way they play defense with Klax on the floor and the way they play defense with Drummond on the floor is not the same. And if they try to run that same style, as we saw tonight, it gets exposed. So if you want to switch, you play Klax, and he provides you a lot of different elements. And I think offensively, in terms of his scoring, he's getting better too.
2: No, I think he's, he's scoring. He's becoming just more confident in his own yep. skill set. He know he, We know he can do all these things, given what he did at Georgia. I think it was Georgia University yep. Um, back in college. He's just comfortable when he has the ball in his hands back then. Obviously, he's had his inconsistencies given you know, the the injuries and, and being in and out. But 13 points, five boards, four of them offensive. That's a really big growth point that we've seen from him. You know, two assists as well. Only two fouls. Six of eight from the field. Did hit his free throw as well. And, you know, he hit a, a crucial bucket down the stretch where he was fighting on the glass. I think he yep. got two of his offensive boards during that stretch as well. And that was just super crucial for the Nets, who were really struggling to generate offense. And sometimes the way you generate offense is just by doing the little dirty things, which is Drummond has done well. Yep. But Clax is continuing to do well also. So it's just like, well, the point of difference there is, you know, Clax can do a lot of the things that Drummond can do in probably lesser, less elite spurts in terms of rebounding being the obvious one. But Clarkson is just the uh, uh, one of the Nets' best defenders, if not the best, uh, given the, this matchup. I think against the Dallas Mavericks and against a lot of teams, mind you, Nicholas Clarkson is a perfect matchup for what the Nets want to do. And when the Nets do look their best defensively, when they switch a lot, KD loves it when they switch a lot, um, and and it just makes the Nets look so much better. So and it allows them to be a bit smaller as well, given yep. the, the limitations of their availability with their roster. You know you got Paddy Mills, you got Goran Dragic, you got Bruce Brown. But all those guys, the tallest is, what, 6'4 for Bruce Brown, 6'3 for Goran Dragic, and Paddy Mills is barely six foot. So it allows you to just be a bit more versatile on the defensive end and allow you to, you know, have a few extra ball handlers here and there as well. I just think that those were... Uh, a few little things that could have been cleaned up, and, and the fact that James Johnson got sixteen minutes as well is is not something minus thirteen in sixteen minutes. Nick, look, I'm jumping around a little bit because my thoughts are still you know a little bit frazzled given the the the, the state of this game. But Clax was awesome. James Johnson, not so much.
1: Yeah. And just touching on the switching thing, like you alluded to, Jack, when you lean into that, it allows you to utilize your smaller players. Because when you switch, speed is important because you're constantly making rotations. You're trying to help and recover. And it's a lot easier to do when you're, you know, a six foot three guard rather than a a 6'10", 200 and whatever drumming is probably 80 pound man, you know, trying to move on the floor. So I agree with that. And like you said, James Johnson. He just didn't have success in this matchup. There wasn't really anything working for him. I thought it was interesting that they put him on Jalen Brunson, you know, given Brunson's size and the way that he kind of moves on the court. A couple times he was successful, a couple times he wasn't. He tried to go to the rim at Dwight Powell a couple times. Dwight did a great job with verticality. So it's tough. Like this is where you just miss that level of spacing. You know, having a Seth Curry in this matchup just helps that much more.
2: No, it did. It does so, so, so much. So I just think that, yeah, the what the Nets do uh, in terms of their principles on both ends of the floor, they've got everything. We know there's nothing new that we can really see with them. I mean, obviously, yeah. when Ben Simmons hopefully returns, and we'll touch on that a little bit later, we've got some actually pretty important news from Ramona Shelwood and Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN, as well as some things from Steve Nash as well. It was pretty shocking in, in some ways. But, yeah, it. we know... And, I, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that Steve Nash coached a bad game. I think he's been good overall. But I think that when he does do well, I, I think I just still have high expectations of it. I think he can be a, a, a really good coach, and I want him to be the best version of himself. And, you know, playing James Johnson 16 minutes... You know, an extra couple of minutes for for Klax or whatever, it might not change the result. At the end of the day, they could have Klax could have got cooked on a couple of threes from Luka Doncic or Spencer Dimity or whatever. We don't know that, but you know, there's a few things that could have been fine tuned. But overall, I would assess the performance as a pretty positive one if we're looking at the process over the result. I'm not sure if you feel the same, Nick.
1: Yeah, I would think it was a solid game. I think it was the game that kind of lives you with a little sour taste, just given that you blew it in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? You lose a quarter by over 10 points, and it's the fourth. Like, that's where you just feel like, damn, this is a game that we had at home, and we just couldn't capitalize. We couldn't get those buckets. We couldn't generate that offense, especially when Katie was off the floor for those couple minutes in the fourth. And it's a tough balance because of the guys that you're missing, and also, you know, some guys being in a little bit of a slump and some of the limitations and what they have offensively. And you no know, credit to Mavs. I think they were creative defensively, and also did a great job of helping off, you know, some of the the bad offensive players on the Nets. You know, there was numerous times where the Nets had great ball movement, but it led to James Johnson being wide open for a three. <laughs> Doesn't really do much for you.
2: No, we've said that before, like, you know, when it's related to Blake Griffin in previous iterations, when we had James Harden on the team and stuff, it's just like, that's not good offense. You know, if, yep. if that's hypothetically Kessler Edwards, who I think has been pretty good since his return, and yeah. I like that. In- you insertion- could have argued
1: maybe he should have got more of James Johnson's minutes.
2: Absolutely. You give 10 of those minutes to, to Kess, or at least eight of those minutes to Kess. You know, Kessler Edwards, while he was minus three on the game, I think he would have been. he's always been positive when he's been out there with Kevin Durant. And I know you want to know those numbers, Nick. We were chatting in the DMs a little bit. Kessler Edwards and Kevin Durant have spent uh, 117 minutes. This is discluding tonight's game, obviously. 117 minutes uh, together on the court. They are 9.8 plus, uh, plus 9.8 on in uh, net rating. 125.8 offensive rating, 116 defensive rating. So they're pretty good together. When Kessler Edwards is out there by himself, you know, that plummets to minus 8.2, 110 offensive rating, 118.2 defensive rating. So Kevin Durant, he loves the rooks. Kessler's one of them.
1: Yeah, and I think it just makes sense the in the idea of Kess is a wing that can shoot threes, and there aren't wings on this team that can shoot threes. Kess can do that, and he also showed a little bit more tonight too. You know, we saw a mid-range jumper, we saw a layup through contact. I think his confidence is definitely soaring. He finished tonight with twelve points, four seven from the field, two of four from three, two of two from the free throw line, two assists, and one rebound, and also uh, just one turnover and zero fouls. But. Kesk fits that style that we just kind of talked about as well. You know, that switching style with his versatility, with his speed, with his athleticism, and also I think he's just a guy that has a good feel, and I think KD likes his game.
2: Yeah, he makes... he's proactive and instantaneous in his decision-making. Yep. You know, if he gets the ball and there's nothing open, cool, I'm just going to pass it straight away. I'm not going to waste having the ball in my hands for two seconds. I'll just give it to Katie. I'll give it to Goran. Or I'll just drive. Or yep. I'll you know drive into the mid-ranger. Or I'll drive and, and try and finish with the dunk and try and get some contact. Or I'll take the three. He's this isn't a criticism by any stretch. He's a simple player in the way that yep. he plays it. He, he he simplifies the game for himself. And Matt Brooks put out a quote, and I'm sure other Nets media did as well. And this is Kessa Elberts on if he hit a rookie wall. And he said, quote, I'm not going to lie, yeah, it did feel like that. I got a little tired. The All-Star break helped me recuperate a little bit after that. So it's a good decision by Steve Nash and the coaching staff to give him that little bit of rest. And you know had an extended period off because he was looking, you know, pretty lackluster given what we've seen from him earlier in the season. But now we're starting to see that version of him where he's like, you know, locking down Stephen yep. Curry and whatever. And he had a couple of good possessions on Luka tonight. I just think that him and Clax tonight looked great out there. Yep. You know, guys that were. You, know, you shouldn't be relying on in terms of their youth and inexperience but they're really good defenders and they you know, know how to impact the game offensively more so which is what we haven't been able to say about some of the the guys and their inconsistencies of late so I, I, I get James Johnson's appeal. But this isn't the matchup, I think, for him because, you know, I think he's more of a a sixes, a, 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 a buck sort of matchup given their size and physicality that they do possess in, in certain lineups. This one is a bit more of a, an athletic shooting sort of lineup where you want athleticism, guys to be able to switch a lot. Uh, and they're not necessarily isolating and 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 bruising you to death or whatever. Maybe throw James Johnson out there for a couple of possessions on Luca, you know, or, or hack, you know, Maxi Kleber as you were alluding to in our DMs <laughs> as well, Nick. But I just think that Klax uh, as well as Kessler Edwards tonight—that was a recipe, and for the most part, um, it was a pretty positive recipe that tasted goddamn good.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, that was a, a great comment, Jack, that you read about uh, Kessler hitting the rookie wall because I think also. The way I mentioned this on the last pod is the way that he shoots. He has a lot of elevation on his jumper, so when he runs out of gas. You know, his jumper is going to be short. It's not going to be on point. He's going to change it a little bit. And his game is, like you said, not only when he has the ball, he makes quick decisions, but when he's off ball, he'll be moving. He'll try to flash the spots, give guys opportunities to pass the basketball, and also just very active in general. So it makes sense that he kind of cooled off after the rookie wall. but hopefully he can continue that. It'll be interesting to see how much the Nets play him moving forward because obviously he's still a two-way guy, was never converted to that real contract. So – Just something to keep in mind.
2: No, something to keep in mind. And I think that it's going to be – it is a bit of a dilemma in terms of whether he does get converted because, look, I think I'm with a lot of fans in terms of that I think Kessler-Edwards – Look, if you're thinking about how the Nets can have the most success in the postseason, the Nets are going to be in the play-in. I, I think it's more than likely that the sixth seed might be out of reach, given how you know the Cavs and and the Raptors seem to be on a, a little bit of And the loss stretched. tonight,
1: I mean, there's just there's not that many games left, so every loss no. just makes it less and less likely.
2: Yeah, exactly. Only 12 games to go. You're not going to have Ben Simmons for many of those. You're going to go Kyrie Irving for three of those, I believe, out of the, the remaining ones as well. So there's going to be a great burden on Kevin Durant. And you know, who can ease that burden the, the most over this stretch? Maybe this is where you go, OK, we need to think about this decision. Are we going to convert Kessler Edwards? And I don't think that that's, it's actually going to be quite likely. But we can use him for these 12 games. And yeah. Let's maybe save James Johnson and Blake Griffin in reserve for those guys in the postseason when we need the savvy vet experience or whatever. And, 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 you know, the lights get a little bit brighter and rookies really do shine in postseason performances. You know, I think Donovan Mitchell and Ja Morant are some of the only guys that I can envision that have done well in those in those sort of uh, circumstances. So maybe this is where you go, all right, Kess, um, this is where we're going to need you for 12 games. We're going to need you to be at your, your best in firing. We might not play in the postseason. I don't know. That's a that's a decision for Sean Marks to make, but that's maybe how I would go about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great idea, Jack. I think, like you said, it's unlikely he gets that playoff roster spot, but why not utilize him for minutes and allow him to kind of have some filler minutes and allow guys to stay fresh, especially with certain guys, you know, taking on a bigger load when the postseason starts or when it gets to, you know, more crucial games. And like you mentioned, you know, it it puts a lot of pressure on Kevin Durant, especially in these home games without Kyrie Irving. He did finish with 20, uh, 23 points, 8 of 20 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, 5 of 5 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 10 assists, 4 turnovers. But the amount of double teams he saw tonight was incredible. You know, This is the most he's probably been doubled maybe in his entire career. I think the Nets showed a, a graphic during the game. It was 23 double teams in the first half. I, I, I'm not sure how many he finished with, but... I wouldn't be surprised if it was close to, you know, 35 40, just given how crazy it was.
2: And I'm pretty sure that was the most for the season at that point of the game. So it was obviously only going to increase. And we saw Kyrie get a lot of it from the Miami Heat. How do you think Katie handled it, Nick? Do you think that. I don't think that this is going to go in the pantheon of of all time Kevin Durant great performances, which we've seen plenty of times this season and plenty of times when he's put on the, the black and white. But I think that. There were, look, the four turnovers, you know, I think that sometimes he can waste a little bit of time. You know, I, it's weird because when he had, a I think, a mid-range sort of elbow-ish sort of shot, he only took like the one dribble, and that one looked a little bit rushed. Uh, I just think that – And that's, look- that's credit to Mavs' defense because that's yeah. what happens
1: when you get doubled the entire game because now all of a sudden you're you're thinking twice, oh, am I going to get doubled right here? Can I even afford to take this dribble? Because I got five guys on the other team all watching
2: me. You know, it's, it's actually kind of weird because I think Kyrie Irving might be better at dealing with doubles than Kevin Durant in, in certain respects. You know, I think because Kyrie has a better handle and can split some of those yeah. doubles. And, and, and he, he's, I think, a, a more willing off-ball player. He's like a really good cutter. And I think we've, we've mentioned I think that it's like just, quite a think uh, It's
1: just easier for Kyrie to move off ball. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Like, he's six foot two, six foot three. Katie's seven foot. Like, 5'10
2: according to KD <laughs> in, a, in a, couple of, a couple of games ago. Yeah.
1: I don't know how that makes us feel, given that, you know, I'm six three, you're six four. So, what does KD think about us? <laughs> it's,
2: it's weird because, like, last night I went to, and this is for the Aussie listeners, to the opening game of the AFL season. And, you know, most of our athletes aren't as tall as, as basketballers. And I'm like, Kyrie's like six two, six three. He would make these guys look like shit sure um so it was just fun to sort of see that but i want to do uh, to give kd some of his his his, uh some credit that shot that he hit over spencer dimity where he got the and one playing he's fading towards out of bounds and, and the baseline that was filthy
1: yeah i mean like low key it'll be a forgotten shot but it's one of the most difficult shots he's probably hit this season it's just that the amount of space he had between hitting the shot and not hitting the backboard is incredible. But kind of getting back to what you were talking about, Jack, in terms of how Katie handled the doubles, honestly, I thought he did a pretty good job. And I thought, you know, the Nets at times did a nice job in terms of like finding the open space and he only had 10 assists. I would, if I had a guess, he probably had, you know, five hockey assists in this, you know, maybe seven, just given how, you know, Bruce was able to make plays out of it or, you know, even clacks or James Johnson or whoever it was kind of dropping those passes off. I think it's also, you know, the Nets being shorthanded and not having as many shooters on the floor. Like we talked about when, you know, James Johnson's getting the open three, you don't feel too bad. Or even Bruce Brown, who was one of two tonight, Goran hasn't necessarily been lighting it up from three since he's joined the Nets. Patty, for whatever reason, whenever he starts, doesn't light up from three. So it's just kind of, it's just a little bit harder, I think, too, when some of the deficiencies of the players you're playing with, you know, setting that double team when Kyrie's on the floor is not even possible, but without him and without Seth Curry, it just makes it that much easier.
2: Yeah, and funnily enough, Kessler Edwards via Chris Mulholland, our mate uh, as well. We've got a a lot of mates on the buzz. It's really good to to see this Nets world uh, continuing to expand with the buzz. Kessler Edwards on getting the ball past him from Kevin Durant once KD gets double-teamed. Kevin does a good job of trusting us in those situations. That's one thing I think him and Kyrie have done really, really well. Almost too much when it comes to like those shots for Blake Griffin or James Johnson. Yeah, like you know, I don't care if it if it's Bruce if he's wide open because he takes a little bit longer, but I do think his form and mechanics are okay, and I like it. That he did hit one tonight. I'm like, when he did take that one as well and he did hit I'm like, this one's going to go in, I think. It, yeah. There's just this weird sort of feel that we have for, for, for Nets games. We were talking about the Dem, the, the Dimwitty stuff and you know, some of KD stuff and, and the rest of it. But, yeah, I think Bruce has continued to be, to be really positive in that respect too. But, yeah, this isn't this wasn't one of Kevin Durant's best games, but I think that what Steve Nash needs to do going forward is everything in his power – to ease the load within games for Kevin Durant. Obviously, because Kyrie isn't going to be available for large stretches. Ben Simmons, we don't know when he's going to be available. He's going to be Kevin Durant's going to be playing you know 38 to 40 minutes pretty regularly, and it doesn't matter who it's against because the Nets are going to be craving wins. He did it against the goddamn New York Knicks, who the Nets should be blowing out on most occasions if they're healthy. But KD has to play extended periods and put up an all-time performance so we can get the W because wins matter so much for this team. So I don't know what it is. Like we alluded to, we talked about rotation sort of things. Seth Curry being there is certainly going to ease the load because he's not just a three-point shooter but a shot creator for himself and others. So I think that his absence has been, you know, pretty important for for the Nets, and you know he hopefully he can come back sooner rather than later, coming back from the ankle injury because he's been been so good for this Nets yeah. squad, and will and I and I think as well during the the Magic game, which you did an awesome go, job of recapping. Very very lucky that you got to recap that one. That was a really iconic performance, so that should be an iconic podcast as well, make sure you check that out as well that's an all-timer, so make sure you, if you haven't go check it out, but I, I, I did see KD, he's, he's got this good relationship with Seth, you know, they, they yep. like to chat on the bench, and and I think that probably because KD got along so well with Steph Curry as well, but yeah I think that Seth coming back could do wonders for this team, because it's not just him, like we alluded to with Paddy Mills and Goran Dragic, it's just having another good basketball player helps a basketball team, who would have thought?
1: Yeah, I mean, he'd be the second best offensive player in the Nets tonight. You know, he's that good of a player, and obviously the Nets are limited with some of the issues and injuries they have right now. So it's like having him out there. And then you also, just like in a closing lineup, you have the option to potentially play him and Patty and now all of a sudden, oh, man, am I going to double KD? Because I'm probably going to give a wide-open three to a 40% three-point shooter. So it's like that makes you you know think about doing that, too. So just this small element, and it's not like Seth Curry is an all-star level player, but he's a good NBA starter, and he can provide what the Nets are missing right now. And they just didn't have enough offensive punch, and that was going to be a concern. And like I said, credit the Mavs. Jason Kidd knew that, or you know Sweeney, whoever made up the defensive game plan. They they nailed it because that's what I would have done. I would have made sure, hey, I'm not in like KD score 53. I'm making sure someone else is beating me. And the Nets were almost able to do that. You know, Goran dropped 21 tonight, but
2: still, that wasn't enough. Was this Goran Dragic's best game as a Brooklyn Net, Nick?
1: Yeah. I mean, 21 points, 9 of 16 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. He had that stretch in the second quarter where he scored 14 points on his own, you know, this is you needed that you needed that extra boost to have a chance in this game because you knew it was going to be tough for KD, given the way they were playing defense. You needed somebody else to step up. Drummond did it in the first quarter. Goran in the second, third quarter was kind of the whole team in the defense. The fourth quarter was really when they couldn't get that guy to step up.
2: Right, and that's when, you know, I think Bruce Brown could only do so much. And he's been really consistent, which is one thing that I've loved from him as well. Um, and, you know, given what the Nets need out of their role players is is consistency and production. Bruce has given you that. Dragic obviously is, is still acclimating himself to the team. And he mentioned, I think, to someone in the in the Nets brass, uh, the Nets media, about the fact that you know, he's still acclimating as well to the way this team plays because yep. you know, he's normally a sort of quite a, a pick-and-roll guy. but. Katie doesn't normally do that sort of thing. He's he's not a really big screener. Um, he, he likes to play, you know, a lot through the post, a lot through the elbows and such. So, you know, it's with, with clacks and with Drummond a little bit might work a little bit um, in, in saying that. so But I think that it was a really, really positive game for me. And he's been really, really positive overall. I thought that, he, you know, his defense, you know, on the shots that Luca did hit down the clutch, they were just good shots and Dragic defended well. And you can make an argument that Steve Nash could have challenged on that chart, that block slash charge that Doreen Finney-Smith uh, was able to acquire. I, I thought that, you know, he was set uh, and he was outside of the paint. But, again, I've probably got a, an element of bias towards me.
1: Yeah, I thought it was enough for a no-call in that situation, just given it felt like Dory Finney-Smith was still able to make the pass he wanted to make. But also, I think, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020, If I could challenge one call, it would be that clear-cut foul that Katie had in the first quarter where he should have had three free throws. And that, that might've been the difference in the game and, you know, not to break it down to one call, but like you said, Goran's been really good, giving the team a point guard and even him playing alongside Seth, because now Seth, Seth doesn't have to create, and he's just able to kind of play his role offensively as a scorer. So there's just so many things where guys are out. Everyone's asked to kind of step up a little bit into a role that they're probably not really comfortable in or suitable, suitable for. And that's what happens when you're missing your second best player, your third best player. And then, you know, I don't know where Seth Curry would be, but probably top five, top six player on this team. So when you're missing all those guys, it just you're, you're forcing other guys to step up. But Jack, anything else you want to touch on from tonight?
2: No, I just want to shout out Bruce Brown for, again, seven or 16 from the field, one or two from three, two or three from the free throw line, nine boards, four of them offensive, five assists. I really like the way that he's making the decision with the ball in his hands. He's had it a lot more in his hands and he's doing the right things with it. Plus four for 17 points. Paddy Mills, what my guy to get back, um, but he's going to be inconsistent, unfortunately, given the load that he's had this year. Hit over 200 threes, you know, chasing that Nets record, but hopefully Seth can come back and ease his load a little bit. Because I know what Patty Mills could do when he's at his best. But I think before I leave, Nick, I want to chat about my other Aussie bud because the news wasn't so great when it came to Ben Simmons.
1: Yeah, yeah it was not. And just one no, more note on the game. Cam Thomas's back is definitely messed up because he is not moving right on the court. But let's talk about somebody else's back.
2: <laughs> yeah, a back that we've, uh, you know, we're back to the backs. Now. Um, back to back. Um, there's a on a back, back to back. back. <laughs> yeah, a back to back, on a back to back to back to back. They say that a million times. But this is via reporting from Ramona Shelburne and Adrian Wojnarowski. And before that, we heard that uh, he's had, from Steve Nash, he's on an epidural in, in Orlando, which I'm just like, is Ben Simmons pregnant? That's the only yeah. time I've ever heard the word epidural before. But I'll quote some of the, the articles so people who haven't read it can sort of read it. Brooklyn Nets star Ben Simmons has been, remained silent with an irritation of the L4 disc of the lower spine. But there's hope he can return for a, quote, couple of regular season games prior to the Eastern Conference playoffs, sources told ESPN on Wednesday. That's that's alarming. Maybe not alarming, Nick, but it's something close to alarming.
1: Yeah, so funny enough, this is an injury that I've some suffered pretty similar to. So I had a herniated disc, which is not the same exact thing that Ben Simmons and obviously I'm not a professional athlete, but when this all came up and we were talking about back, backs, I've constantly said, you know, this this is a really sensitive area and it's really easy to re-aggravate it. And given that he probably was, you know, staying active, but then all of a sudden tried to turn it up to the highest level to get back on the court, he probably re-aggravated this. And it's the type of thing that rest is really the best solution because it's an inflamed area. So obviously giving him the shot is going to hopefully alleviate some of the stress in that area and alleviate some of the pain so he can go out there. But it's it's nerve stuff. You know, anytime you're dealing with nerve stuff, it's just really hard. It's very sensitive. It's very delicate. So I'm unsure how it's going to go. You know, the shot could be great. The shot could kind of get him going. But like I said, it's something that can easily be re aggravated. So they want to make sure that he can, you know, activate at the highest ability. They don't want him to be 80% of himself and not have the ability to move how he wants to move. Because, you know, when you have an issue like that, all it takes is like one bad bump or one, you know, bend over for the ball, and next thing you're in pain and you have to come out of the game.
2: Look, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, I think Draymond Green's going through some similar stuff as well. You and NBA superstars, Nick, you got a lot, a lot in <laughs> common other than the hyphen with one day Hollis Jefferson. But I'm currently on spinehealth.com, Nick, because I wanted to know what the heck an er- epidural shot. And it says an ep- epidural steroid injection, control pain by reducing inflammation in and around yep. the nerve roots, which is basically what you sort of are saying there, and also improve mobility and function in the lower back and legs. So those are probably the two main points to take away from, you know, is the pain gonna lessen? What is the, the the pain like? And what is his mobility like? Those are gonna be the two things that if I'm a an edge reporter, which hopefully one day I get a goddamn media pass and we get a media pass for the buzz, that's what I'm gonna be asking them because it's with this is the first sort of illuminating news. We heard Steve Nash said hopeful that he'll come back for but these are facts, stone stone, stone cold hearted facts about, you know, Ben Simmons' situation now. And we have you know, we can analyze it with a bit more clarity. And, you know, obviously there's just, look, maybe this could be so bad, Nick, that it wouldn't surprise me given the Nets luck that he might have to have surgery and, and, and maybe his season is gone because the Nets obviously do have him on a long-term contract and we know the Nets how they are in terms of, they're you know, protecting their players and their, their health going forward. But it just sucks because, you know, I was so goddamn excited to see Ben yep. Simmons out there, but, You know, maybe a couple of games I'm not optimistic. I've turned into Mr. Pessimistic uh, about this whole situation. There's a part of me that would be surprised to see Ben Simmons play for the Brooklyn Nets this year.
1: Yeah, I think we'll have a better idea in a week. You know, a lot of these shots take anywhere from like five to ten days to be effective. Uh, Rehab is usually the most common thing with an injury like this. You know, if it is really bad and they feel like they can't rehab it to the point, then surgery is usually an option. So I'm not sure that he will get surgery, but I still wouldn't also be surprised if he missed the rest of the season, even without surgery, just to the point where they can't get him 100 percent to the, where they feel confident. Like you said, he's a young player with multiple years on his deal. And for him to play at the level that makes him effective, he has to be dynamic. If he's not dynamic, then he's just not as good of a player because that's one of his, you know, strengths.
2: Yeah, he's not Joe Harris or just a pure shooter out there, or whatever. Yep. He needs his athleticism to be the best version of himself. And a final word from me, Nick from SpineHealth.com. <laughs> I'm becoming a I'm becoming a back specialist as we speak. Most practitioners agree that an epidural infection, an epidural injection, can be beneficial during an acute episode of back and/or leg pain. The main drawbacks of the of the injections are that they are not always effective, and when effective, the pain relief tends to be temporary, ranging from one week to one year not great typically if the initial injection <laughs> is really vague. <laughs> typically if the initial injection is effective up to three injections may be given in one year look at me mr spinehealth.com maybe we should uh get, get a chiropractic uh, sponsor for blue wire pods because mm. th- all, all of that is very it, it's uh, so much can happen in in the time span it's just like I will be asking, you know, by the weekend or by whenever – what are we at now? It's Thursday my time, Wednesday, you know, Eastern Standard time as we're recording this podcast. I'll be asking one week later, how's Benny boy? How would the old epidural go?
1: Yeah, and I mean, like you said, Jack, with all the information you just kind of threw out there, you really have no idea. Like it could be really well. Next thing you know, Ben's looking like he'll play by the end of the month or it didn't really have much of an impact and we're not seeing him the rest of the season. It's like we got information. But the information provided doesn't really give us a clear-cut answer to when we're going to see Ben Simmons. But like you said, we'll just kind of wait for more news on the situation.
2: Waiting is so fun. I love it.
1: (laughs) It's really great watching a team where they're missing all, you know, a good chunk of their best players. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Check the Buzz on all stream platforms.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?